0: Today is Tuesday, January 14th, 2020, and we've learned some things we want to pass on to you in this special report in advance of the next full episode. Over the past few weeks, people who've been interviewed for this podcast have been contacted and interviewed by both the Greenville Police Department and the State Law Enforcement Division, also known as SLED. I've also been contacted myself by SLED as part of an ongoing investigation. Just last night, we had the opportunity to speak to Interim Police Chief Howie Thompson for the first time since former Chief Ken Miller resigned. And we've also just learned there will be a whole new team of people investigating this case in the coming months. We've learned who is investigating, what the police are saying, and what's happening with the gun we uncovered. We ended up with a lot more questions to answer as we try to figure out just who is investigating what. I'm Brad Willis. This is Murder Etc. Last night was the college football national championship. And if anybody in the upstate of South Carolina cared about anything else, you'd never have known it by going to the grocery store or watching the news.
1: In my capacity as vice chair, I'll be chairing the meeting since... But a
0: couple hours before kickoff, I was in a sweltering conference room on the first floor of city hall, where for the first time since October, and the first time since police chief Ken Miller resigned, the public safety citizen review board sat down to meet. I'd originally planned to go to hear Chief Miller explain everything that happened in the second half of 2019 when police found a file related to the Looper murders and then lost it. But Chief Miller is no longer chief. In the last days of 2020, he resigned. His deputy chief, Howie Thompson, took over while the city decides who the next chief will be. And so last night, interim chief Thompson took the seat once occupied by Ken Miller. Andy Etheridge joined me last night and felt compelled during a public comment section to let the board know what he thought. I'm not a journalist. I'm not a law enforcement officer. I'm just a guy that really digs history. Really, I'm just here to ask all of you to really kind of put on a a fresh set of glasses when you're looking at this thing for the sake of the memory of Lieutenant Looper and also for the life of Charles Wakefield. Board member Osa Benson, who had shown an interest in the case when Ken Miller spoke about it, Spoke up.
2: Andy, stand up again and let us know the status of the case and what you know about it currently and how we could help.
0: I don't know the status of that evidence. That's one of the things that I guess I'm here to ask the question as a citizen. To be fair to the board, it exists largely to hear citizen complaints about local law enforcement and firefighters. But it was in front of this very board that former Chief Ken Miller first revealed what police found in regard to the Luper case.
2: It was a letter from one who said that uh, he and some of his uh, team members may have been involved in that murder and framed this individual. Wow. So we have that letter, and it was recently discovered as we cut locks off of lockers in the shared locker room at a law enforcement center.
0: So the board chair asked interim chief Howie Thompson to update everyone on where things stood with the Luper case. Thompson began by defining the found documents as simply information.
2: And, and what I'll say about the file, the missing file, is, is if somebody called that evidence, I think they misspoke. That was information. Um, from what I know about the file, I have never seen the file, never held the file, never touched the file. So, so it's really hard for me to, to talk about what's, what's in it and what, what is missing. Um, but what we did is we have sent the, the whole entire case file to the FBI them to review it we thought it would be best to have an outside agency look at that in light of everything going on so they have the file and, and they are the case file the entire case file uh, to, to look at that and review it and see uh, if there is uh, a, a path forward to open up and, and look at it any, any further
0: that is when board member Osa Benson spoke up again.
2: What's the differential between evidence and information that you're making regarding the missing letter? Well, I'm saying that because I don't, uh, it keeps getting referred to as, as evidence. Evidence would lead someone to believe that it is something very direct towards the case and helping solve it, or one way or another. Um, from what I understand that was in the file, it sounds more like information, and it sounds like information that was already uh, reviewed and, and investigated. So it would not be, uh, I, I don't want someone to think that it was, it, it was the, the information that was in the file would be a make or break on, on the case. But like I said, I was, I, I don't know what was in the file. I never saw the file. So I cannot, I cannot tell, I
0: don't know. After the meeting, I spoke to Thompson directly, looking for some clarification. While Thompson said he hand-delivered the Looper case to the FBI, he says the FBI does not have that 32 caliber Rossi revolver that police recovered on Halloween following our special report, October Surprise. At least not yet. Despite recovering the gun two and a half months ago, no one in law enforcement has run any tests on it.
2: The gun is in proper evidence at the Greenville County Law Enforcement Center. That's where we have a very secure facility. Uh, keep track of all evidence that this logged in. And right now, just that the, the file is under review so they're not to the point of testing any evidence that's been collected further. Uh, once they reach that point, that, that gun could be turned over to FBI or could be turned over to SLED for testing. It could be tested by whoever they choose if they, if they open this file and, and continue with, that, with the investigation.
0: In the meantime, I spoke with Charles Wakefield on the phone yesterday to get his take on the last few weeks and his feelings about police finding and then losing something to do with the case that no one else had the opportunity to see. I felt
2: disappointed. I wasn't surprised because of some of the things that uh, have happened in the past. It just seemed like it was business as usual. seemed like it was agencies in, in Greenville County doing whatever they wanted to do, whatever way they wanted
1: to do it. I, I wasn't surprised.
0: Wakefield's disappointment is tempered somewhat by the fact. There is a brand new team of investigators who have set their sights on this case. Those investigators are the four attorneys who have teamed up to get to the bottom of whatever is happening in 2020. This is attorney Chris Muma, the head of the North Carolina Center for Actual Innocence.
1: I always hold out hope that when one of these cases comes up where there's a question about whether someone was wrongfully convicted and uh, has been incarcerated or was incarcerated for years for a crime they didn't commit, I'm always hopeful that law enforcement prosecution will want to work cooperatively, as they're doing in other states, through conviction integrity units to get to the truth. But it's become clear that that's not the case. in Charles Wakefield's Situation, so we can't wait any longer, and we're going to proceed with uh, necessary filings to get access and litigate on behalf of his innocence claim.
0: Muma is a well known criminal justice reform advocate and attorney who has worked on many cases in which innocent men were finally exonerated. She told me yesterday three other attorneys will be working on the case too Harold Staley Jr. from Rock Hill, South Carolina, as well as David Rudolph and Sonia Pfeiffer from Charlotte, North Carolina. If Mooma, Rudolph, and Pfeiffer's names sound familiar, you might recognize them from the recent Netflix documentary series, The Staircase. Mooma has been following Wakefield's case closely in recent months and waited in the background, hoping the Greenville Police Department would come forward with everything it had. Now she and the rest of Wakefield's new defense team are planning to begin filing as soon as they can to figure out who knows what at the police department and courthouse.
1: Unless they were there, unless law enforcement or prosecution were there or are part of it or have inside information, then they don't know the truth. They can't know the truth. So it just seems like they would want to cooperate with full disclosure to make sure justice was served. And unless for some reason they they know more about what happened than everybody else does.
0: Muma says, at a minimum, the defense team will be filing to get access to the 32 Rossi revolver so it can be independently tested. And the attorneys, We'll be looking to question members of the police department to find out what really happened with the missing document we'll keep you updated on anything more we learn as it happens and in the meantime we'll be working on the final episodes of murder etc that deal with what happened to charles wakefield after his conviction while that part of the story is nearly finished it's become apparent a whole new chapter could soon begin we'll be back with you just as soon as we can and in the meantime keep your eye on our website Murder Etc. Podcast dot com, where we'll keep you updated with any breaking developments.